All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us again um, for another amazing conversation led by Dr. Gloria Chance. Of course, we always talk about the importance of physical health, uh, but we're tackling the value and importance of taking care of our mental health as well. And with that being said, I'm going to pass the mic to Dr. Chance as we bring up a dope lineup of panelists today. Dr. Chance, good to see you again. Hello, Troy, and good to see you again. And you know, Troy, we're excited because you're going to be a part of the panel today. And welcome everyone to the Mental Health and the Black um, Artists Creating Through Trauma Part 3. And this is an event that's been created in partnership with Creative Cipher in association with Troy Pryor himself, Max Black Media, African American Art Alliance, and the Gary International Black Film Festival. Um, and so as we have launched these conversations, we have um, we have a series, or we've had a series of three. And as you know, it's difficult for all of us right now with everything going on in the world to process everything with trauma. And in this series, we're defining trauma as a deep emotional wound, as we know as African-Americans and Black Americans, that we have these wounds from three, 400 years, and really even from uh, even longer than that. And so we're here to talk about how do we how do we get through our day to day, particularly as a performer, um, to get through our trauma. And we also know that we all have to perform anyway, whatever job that we have. And so we're hoping that this conversation will be beneficial to everyone who's listening. So in the first series, we uncovered uh, trauma at an individual level. In the second uh, series. We talked about how art and trauma impacts our community. And tonight, we're going to talk about how art and trauma impacts more of the business side of being an artist. And we're hoping that these conversations provide insight and wisdom to everyone who's listening and that you'll apply some of the, the techniques and the things that we talk about. So stay tuned as we expand the conversation after we wrap today. So I'm gonna go ahead now and bring up our esteemed panelists. And so we already have Troy. Troy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your art. Um, yeah, I'm a filmmaker from Chicago. Uh, happy to, to be a part of uh, several organizations and you know, empowering black and brown creatives, uh, looking for ways to uh, position us so we own our own narrative, own our IP, and can build businesses based off of our creativity. Love, love it. And you're doing an amazing job. Thank you so much. And thank you for putting this together and sponsoring. Um, next up, we're going to bring up NK. NK? Hi there. So let's hear about what, are, what, do, you, what do you do in the, in the industry? I'm an actor, filmmaker, body activist, and like Troy, involved in several different organizations and leadership positions, working to leverage my seat at the table to elevate black and brown voices, um, to create spaces where we feel seen, heard, and valued. Um, within that space, I also, ha I also have an athleisure line, athletic, and we work to elevate the conversation around wellness inclusivity by cultivating conversation, clothing, and community. Wow, you're seriously a boss. Love, love it. Welcome. Uh, next up, we have John, the author. Hey John. Can you okay. hear me? Yes. All right. I had to um, had to go get my Xbox headset. 
I love the creativity. Thank you. So, John, tell us about yourself. What, what, do, you, what do you do? I'm in the industry. I'm a rapper. I'm a poet. I'm an activist, and I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I met Troy uh, over five years ago when I was just a, a, a twenty, maybe twenty-three or twenty-four-year-old man child. <laughs> seeking seeking uh, mentorship and Troy uh, has been a, a big brother to me in many ways uh, over the years and uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys th this evening and I love you acknowledging the man child part because obviously you said you were which means that you, you're a full grown man now so <laughs> that is amazing thank you very much um, and then last but not least we have Charles Charles are you there yep I'm here Hi, Charles. So tell us what you do in the industry. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm an actor. I'm a filmmaker. I'm the uh, president of SAG-AFTRA here in Chicago. Uh, and I'm also an educator, uh, professor at a couple of different places, DePaul, uh, Western Michigan University, teach a lot of acting. So. Wow. So, you know, we all have a lot of hats that we're wearing and a lot of jobs. And, you know, that might be a part also. I, I want to ask you guys as we're getting started. Is that a part of the trauma? Like, why why are you doing so many things? Um, Troy, why would you say with all the things? Because I know I also as an entrepreneur, as a psychologist, and I was a technologist. And, you know, and it's like I have to weave all those things together. And and that really creates the holistic me. But, Troy, why, why do you do so many things? Because sometimes that is about trauma. Like, we stay busy. Part of trauma is staying busy so that you don't and you don't have time to deal with yourself. Why? Why are you? Why do you do so many things? Man, I'm with Charles. Uh, that's some, that's some deep deep question, man. Deep question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, we're talking about mental health, and it's really deep. So. Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think there's a, there's a lot of truth to um, you know. Sometimes we joke and say, "Man, you can't sit still." You know, you can't right. sit still. But that, there's right. some truth to that. The the. Um, mm -hmm. It has been a, it has been and at times is a challenge for me to relax, to sit still, to take in the moment. Um, I think for me a lot of that stems from early childhood being involved in multiple sports and extracurricular activities, sort of growing this um, like there's a gift and the curse to it, right It's good to be versatile. But um, there has to be. That's okay. <laughs> it's good. It's good to be. Ver hey, I'm telling you, you gotta get ready to juggle a lot of things, you know. Exactly. It's good to be versatile, but um, I think that um, the the goal to win, you know, go from one sport to the next sport to the next sport, um, has just stayed with me throughout, you know, my entire life, and so just. Um, I think that that's one of the things that um, has always been a tug of war for me. Like, what is ambition versus ego? Mm. You know, I think that's been one of my one of the the challenges for me. You know, that's a really good point. And also, I think for many people of color, particularly black people, also we're always looking at well, we feel like we have to do more and have so much to just be equal right in in the system um just to have an opportunity to get a chance any anybody else want to jump in on why why are we so busy why are you doing a hundred things why do you have a hundred jobs 
Nikki. Um, I mean, yeah, sorry. Oh no no! First of all, yeah, that was that question was confronting as hell. I was like, oh, whew, I've been with my therapist for years, but damn, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to go there. Sorry. I know. We just jump right in on the deep end. Clutching my pearls. Um, <laughs> right though, because it's the truth, and I'd like to expand on what Troy said. Um, in the the busyness starting at childhood. Uh, take it a step further for many of us that are black and brown as achievers, our parents put us at a million things so that we will be safe and off the streets. So yeah. I know for my mom, she, I was involved in everything. Always. I started dancing when I was two and a half and it just went from there. There was no organization that I was not a part of. There was, I was just always in something. And I, you know, it wasn't until I was older that my mom said, it was like, I need somebody to take care of you and make sure that you're okay. So I kept you busy. And kept keep yeah. you busy, kept you out of trouble. So that is part, you know, like especially coming from a single parent family, um, which many black and brown people do. Unfortunately, that's kind of like embedded into our way of being. And I noticed that in the spaces that I sit in, in amongst where I'm one, always one of the first, the only, the different, where I see someone who looks like me, we usually are involved in a million things and have. Like we may not have had the exact same upbringing, but we can find a lot of similarities. That's very true. And and I, and I want to say that, I, and I really want you all in the audience also to really inspect your busyness because mm -hmm. it is important to pause. And I know things like meditation is, it's not easy for the black community specifically, but meditation is a great way to slow down your mind, kind of, you know, just kind of get balanced Mm -hmm. um, etc. And it really is a healthy thing to do because being too busy, you don't notice, like you might not notice pain. You might not notice things that yeah. creep up on you like illnesses. And next thing you know, you're kind of out and you're like, what, what just happened to me? Mm -hmm. Um, anyone else want to jump in on that question? John, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was growing up, I remember my mom would always say an idle mind is a playground for the devil. And, um, so she would always keep us, like Nikki said, piggybacking off of her, keep us busy, keep us in after school pro uh, programs, act doing extracurricular activities, and it kept us out of the streets. Um, I think um, speaking specifically to the entertainment industry, we end up wearing so many hats because oftentimes it takes so many different hats to get certain tasks done. And we may not necessarily have relationships with the professionals qualified to do the things that we need them to do. So we have to pick that head up and wear it on our own. Um, and, and, and in many ways for me, you know, speaking for myself, it's been healthy, but it's also been harmful because uh, I've been in a position where I've spread myself too thin before, where I was burnt out, where I was exhausted. So um, I think it's good um, to know when you have to do something on your own and pick that head up and wear it. But um, there's also a saying that if you wanna if you wanna go somewhere fast, go alone. But if you wanna go some go far, go with others. Yeah. So um, part of part of my growth is realizing that um, I don't have to wear every hat, and um, I I I lean more nowadays um into building relationships you know which is which is the most valuable it's more valuable than money a good relationship gosh that is so you're right that is so so profound and also john i, I want to 
say that, and I'm curious with the rest of the panel, Charles, I'll go to you. Um, what do you do? Because you're busy too. What do you do to become unbusy? Do you have anything that you do? do are you even aware of that you need to be doing something? Just, you know, give me a quick, like, everyone think of one or two words like what do you do like Troy like if you work out or what but what is it that you do and working out actually is being busy too is there something that you do where you can really just unwind and just get your mind settled yeah I had to come up with something I'm so I'm a habitual do too muncher like like, like all of us I get way too much on my plate and to throw a little bit more sauce on there I you know I think on the first question before I move on to the second one you know, I think it's just like that necessity piece. As an artist, like we have to cobble, we feel like we have to, right? Cobble together a whole bunch of things. And I think that like your your comments on just like keeping an eye on everything is so important, right? Because it's very, it's a fine line between scarcity mindset, cobbling things together and like, let's make this thing thrive, cobbling things together. And a lot of us, my statements, it's like, let me, let me do a little bit over here so that way if this falls apart, I'll be good. Yes. It's like having the backup of the backup of the backup. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that as long as we can have that balance of realizing like I'm doing this to build to the next thing, as opposed to I'm doing this to hold on to what I have. Um, mm. I think that having that balance point is important. And like you're saying, that balance point of slowing down, I meditate every morning. Uh, at least 20 minutes uh, and, and that just gives me the ability to like take care of my mental health and like notice how my mental health is doing notice how my emotional health is doing notice notice how my focus is for that morning and then with that awareness I can then go through the day um, and, and in these business settings really just like be mindful of my own thoughts and be mindful of my own trauma responses be mindful of like when I am knee jerk reacting. <laughs> and going off on people, see that's a trigger. And oftentimes in our community, we are triggered, really rightfully so, but it's up to us to manage it. Like we cannot allow the system and all this stuff going on to trigger us because we're one individual that's just trying to make it through the world. And if we let the things going on in the world trigger us, then we're gonna be telling people off all day, every second and breaking down. And so part of, I love what you said, Charles, is being mindful about what state of mind you're in, especially if you're doing business, because that can really, really impact you. So I wanna go ahead and move on to um, the question, which is an even deeper question. I mean, knowing that uh, given what just happened this past weekend around the Buffalo shootings, and there were a couple of others that happened, um, we all know that that introduces more trauma, more wounds to our community, more grief on top of grief on top of grief. And so speaking of that and how you move through and doing your business every day, um, you know, how, have, how has that event impacted you specifically? And how does it, how does it, how does it impact you and how you move in, in your world in terms of getting business done? Mm -hmm. Troy. Throw on the me, throw, throw me out there first. Exactly, you know, Troy. It's, um, you know, it's, um, it's scary in, a, in, a, in my situation. I know, like being a new dad with having a, a new one on the way, just thinking of the world, there's a scripture that says, you know, um, cry when a baby's born. The, the idea of, you know, you're bringing a child into the yes. chaos is, um, is bothersome to me, but it, it is also the reality. So we have to see things as they are and not just 
as we want them to be as far as media entertainment business go, I should say media. Uh, you know, I think about what's going on in that person's mind to justify taking those types of actions. 18 year old is not just out of nowhere. You know, there's something that's indoctrinated um, in this individual. And I think about like, what are they consuming? What messages are they consuming? And when I think about my own career, whether it's that specific situation or whether that is a uh, something to get me thinking about what I'm creating, you know, what what am I, uh, what message am I telling the world? What impact is my message having on individuals, uh, positive or negative? Uh, you know, I, I was just having a conversation with someone a couple of days before that. It wasn't to get into politics. It was just about understanding the importance of who has the mic in their hand, the importance mm-hmm. of uh, of leadership, not just being, you know, your president is not just someone who can run a company. You need somebody with a moral compass. It's not just about being smart. There's a level of wisdom that we need to have. And I feel as though individuals in media have to understand that because, yes, we have to be true to ourselves and our art. But it's important to understand that that's just, in my opinion, an intelligent way of looking at it. That's just black and white. We're all human beings. And I think there's a level of wisdom we have to have when we are creating and putting things out in the world because it has a real impact on the lives of others and actions that people take. So those are some of the things that I think of, you know, as it relates to my profession as a creator. Uh, you know, aside from my personal opinions on the actions themselves. You know, and that's so, so true because John, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you work in the rap, you talk about your rap music being more positive, um, et cetera. Can you speak to a little bit of what Troy's talking about? Because in our community, as much as other communities are coming in and hunting us down during the day, et cetera, which is unbelievable and unthinkable, um, from a humanity standpoint, but mm-hmm. you know, part of in our community, we sort of to to Troy's point in the rap music, we are one of the only uh, people who denigrate each other mm-hmm. through our music. So talk about your music um, and why it's so important, and why you have the approach that you have. Yeah, you do music. I. Uh... I laughed inside when you said positive, because I, I don't know how positive I am. But I would say I'm honest, right? You know, okay. I think we, we all have good sides and, and, and um, not so good sides about ourselves. But I think um, as an artist, and it, it's not it's not even just with uh, music. You, it's with being an actor like Charles or, um, you know, uh, being a... Uh, whatever, whatever you're doing, um, you have to make a conscious decision on whether or not your art is going to imitate life or if your art is going to inspire life. One of the things that uh, frustrates me with my culture, with my community, with my art form, and those who practice it uh, uh, with me is uh, the excuse that's been um, being used for years as far as 
uh, rappers saying that we're just, you know, reporting what goes on in our neighborhood. I think that mm -hmm. as as artists, we're leaders. As artists, we have uh, sort of a, a responsibility to do more than just report. Uh, we can set new standards through our through our gift. So um, what I do with my art is I set the new standard of what uh, what not not just what my community is today, but what my community could be tomorrow. So when I talk about me being an adult contemporary rapper, the key word in that is adult. I'm a, I'm 32 years old now. I'm a grown man now. I think um, one of the big things with across entertainment is grown people trying to relate to young people. You know, grown people trying to grow backwards, and that doesn't that that, that it, it should be young people looking at grown people and saying, "Yo, I, I wish, I hope that I can be like him when I get older." Because that's what's going to happen to everyone, and I think that um, that starts with artists like me and um, and and everyone on this panel just accepting that, you know, accepting that responsibility. And as we create, create in that in that from that you know position, I'm not trying to relate to an 18 year old. I'm just not. You know, 18-year-olds should be trying to relate to me because I've done really well in my life and I can probably show you a few things if you're willing to listen. And so, John, you bring up a really good point that we won't have time to discuss, but part of being mentally healthy is, you know, you have to have some grounding and foundation that's grounded in reality and history. And we do have a sort of mashup with about five generations living, and most of the generations are all going in different directions. And so that is actually a, a, an opportunity um, and an issue, um, I, I believe, in our communities. So, Charles, around the Buffalo shooting, et cetera, and, and being a black man and the trauma that that has caused in general for with shootings, et cetera. How do you how do you process all of this stuff and move through your world? Yeah, the, me, for personally processing it, it is just that self-reflective time of like, being able to make sure that I'm taking care of myself, right? Like, you know, my mental health, my emotional health, um, because these conversations are going to come up. And as leaders, as thought leaders, as black male leaders, as black leaders in general, we have to be able, you know, and ready to help people to breathe through it because it's frustrating as, as all, you know, I don't, I don't want use language but like it's frustrating y'all it's frustrating to be in this space continually right. public eye is 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 constantly on us and and you know um if i'm remembering correctly my man had on a body cam like right himself like that right. is that is live mm -hmm. you know it, it that it's just too much it's too much for for anybody to handle for this world to handle especially amidst the, the the national uh, global pandemic that we're still currently in like it's just like let us let us all as a society take a break let's like all just like chill out right and so for us to be able to you know be in a space to help other people do that i think that you know that's that's for me it's one of the most important things as a leader and as an artist like john was saying like we have the opportunity to 
you know, uh, imitate life or to inspire life, you know. Um, and, and personally, as, as an artist, my, my goal is to, to, to shift people's perspective if possible, you know. And so to be able to do that, I have to be grounded. I have to be centered in myself to say, okay, this is frustrating and I want to respond in anger. I want to respond um, and, and let my frustration out. But, and, and maybe this is even a trauma response in itself and, and the plight of Black Americans, right? Of just like, you know, we were, were, since the beginning of our time here, we've been forced to, you know, turn the other cheek and still find progress. Um, and still keep going in spite of the hurt, the pain, the trauma. And that is, and I've mentioned on, on the other series, that it's part of why we have comorbidities, why we have high blood pressure more than anyone else and diabetes and those things, because carrying the weight of that trauma, never being able to rest, always being busy, does impact your body. It impacts your organs. Um, it impacts your hormonal levels. And so it is very serious. And many of us don't even understand those connections. And so, Nikki, you speak about your work and how, and I want to keep calling you Nikki, so I'm so sorry, NK. Um, I, I'll, I'm giving you a nickname. <laughs> um, so one of the things that you talk about in your work is wanting to have people being heard and seen. And so when you think about things, uh, happenings that cause more trauma, like the Buffalo shooting, how do you, how do you use your art? How do, how do people get seen and heard in that way? How would you approach that? How do I, let me repeat this question to make sure I'm clear on what you're asking. Well, in general, I'm, I'm really speaking to the deep trauma we have. And your work, you mentioned that you want to have people being seen and heard. And, you know, John made a point about his, uh, his work isn't, or his rap isn't always positive. Because, you know, life isn't always positive but it's important to be real. So when you think about and you compare and contrast just the, the trauma around um, the types of shootings that we're going through, how does your work help that? How do you think about your work um, helping people being heard and seen? What's the connection mm -hmm. there as an artist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got it. Thank you for reframing it a little for me. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I really focus on covert racism and the microaggressions because things like that this is this is what's making the news but the things that are really causing the comorbidities the things that are really happening to us constantly we're being inundated and having to live in a way in which we are constantly doing more working more hearing things the level of ignorance and just ways of being systems that are set up for us to perform in a certain way or deal with things in a certain way or allow things to be so. Um, those are the things that I really focus on and work to dismantle, especially in any spaces that I hold power. And Troy will tell you, I'll be the first. I'm like, eh, hold on. I have that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And, and what it, you know, when I recently got really clear on, I was able to put language around it because I went, I grew, I'm Afro-Latina and my mom's, oh, white-facing Mexican woman, and I went to a private Irish Catholic grade school, middle school. So most of my life, I was definitely the only. And um, 
what I really got clear on, and it was just actually in a meeting that I was in with Troy, and it was just something that I didn't say this to him, but I, I got clear on how I'm able to communicate things in a way where you are like, where we're calling out the things without making the person who might be participating in it the enemy or bad or wrong. And, and in doing that, because, and because here's the thing, like, and I'm seeing, and I'm really proud of some of the spaces that I'm working in where people are really getting present to like, mm, we really need to change that and seeing them take action around it and that's not be the ones who have to point it out and then being like hey and, but you can still feel the shame that they have on them when they have to say the thing out loud and i don't allow myself to take the burden on for myself but to call out the we're all colonized we've all been participating in the system in one way or the other for different reasons but we've all been participating so i acknowledge you for calling the thing the thing now, thank you for allowing space for us to now do things different. Uh, you know, NK, that's beautiful. We can all learn from that because that is actually managing your triggers, right? Because attacking each other, obviously, is not going to get us anywhere. It's just going to create more trauma, more issues, more trauma you have to deal with to overcome the issues that you created. You didn't really create them. They were created for you. But it's a, it's a vicious cycle and circle. Speaking of systems. So let's talk about the business of being a creative. Now, being an entrepreneur, whether you're a creative or any other kind of entrepreneur, is stressful within itself, right? Because you are trying to do many things and many tasks, et cetera. And, you know, the stress of, of just trying to meet deadlines, getting funding, et cetera. So if you had to say one thing that is the most stressful for you in the creative industry around the business of being a creative, what would that be, um, Charles? Expectation management is stressful as all get out. As an actor, I'm constantly auditioning. I'm constantly putting my art out and like at a very high level, right? Of like, I give everything to my art, every single audition. And the reality of that, of, of the, the, the world of being a professional actor is that about 70% of those auditions are gonna come back as no's. And so just the stress of time, energy, effort, you know, being all in on, on, on your passion, your purpose, um, and it being out of your control, whether or not you are uh, rewarded for the amount, like it's not a, a what is it called? Um, uh, meritocracy, right? Where you're being- right. Rewarded yeah. by, by merit, by by the amount right. of by performance, right? You pay by performance, right? That doesn't happen. Not, right. not that, and that's that's a little bit stressful. Um, um, but I would probably say the thing that's that's the most stressful for me um, is is no, that's probably it. I, I'll, I'll, yeah, and, and so and so, what do you do? You just sort of meditate, and that's how you kind of get through. I've released the yeah, that's the big thing. I've, I've released the entitlement of or the expectation and, and I've fallen in love with the, the 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 pursuit of expertise and like the fact that like me auditioning, that's a that's me actually getting a chance to act, mm. you know. Um, and, and so like in my, you know, to, I'm an educator. And so I, I'm telling all of these young actors, they're just like your job is to audition. If you get the job, fantastic. That's great. But like 
but why not celebrate the process? Why not celebrate the fact that somebody along the way said, yeah, let's give this guy a shot. Let's give this, this gal a shot. I love that. Shot. I love that because you're talking about a growth mindset. Most of us live in a fixed mindset, which is negative. It basically says I'm staying in a state of fear and a state of I'm not going to move. This is how it is. This is how it's never going to change. And what you're saying, Charles, which I love is have a growth mindset, which is I'm in a learning mode and I'm in a growth mode. And that keeps you positive. So that that's a really, really great point. John, what about you? What as an entrepreneur in the business side, when, when you what's the biggest thing that you struggle with when you're either trying to get business or you're building the business? What do you what's your biggest challenge? Um, I, I think I want to steal uh, Charles's answer because, and I want to expand. Man, I give it to you. <laughs> I want to I want to expand on it as well because expectation management is uh, is a real thing. You know, when mm -hmm. when when you look when you look back, and when I say back, I mean like back back. I'm talking about before televisions existed, before radios existed, before newspapers existed, before social media existed, before you can like look at a device and say, yo, I want to be like that person. Who was the celebrity? You know, who were the popular people in tribes? Who were the popular people in villages? It was the priest, right? It was the, it was the the old lady who was who was the like, elders. yeah, the elders because they just were so valuable to that community. And I think nowadays we live in this society, uh, this, this of, of mass culture, right, um, where you have millions uh, upon millions of people trying to live under one law, and and we're all trying to look at something and say, that's what I want to be, but it's not realistic. And for mm -hmm. me, being an artist, I have to um, manage my expectations and go back to the core of what is it that what is it that God really gave me this gift for? Was it to be on BET? Was it to be on MTV? Was it to be on the radio? Or was it to provide a service to my, my village, to my people, yes. you know what I mean, to my community? And yes. do I need what, you know, the average, you know, what this mass culture say says that I need to be successful? Or do I need to remember what this this gift that I have is truly supposed to be used for? And, and I have to say, Charles, he really added to your answer. That's pretty, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you, John. You so, get what I'm trying to say? No, I totally do because yeah. it's making me expand on the question. Um, and I want to ask NK, when you think about, you know, the same question about, you know, what, what's your one stressor as an entrepreneur that you're managing? But John brings up a point because when you add in the newer generations and sort of the influx now of, you know, IG and all YouTube and all of these other things. So everyone is a star and there's nothing wrong with that because we should all see ourselves as stars, but it does start to impede a little bit on somewhat, or do you think it does in K the work that you guys are doing professionally and you're working hard and challenging. So number one, what's your stressor, but to add to John's point, how do these new media types um, impact that stress? And the same question to you after that, Troy. Hmm. 
Or you can um, jump in. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for me as a creator, it's capital. It's always, you know, and just as a human, like having the finances to do what I, I am here to do with ease and not have to think about it so that I can ideate and move the way I want to and hire the people I want to and create the things I want to. That, you know, and that is something I'm really working on, even my language around. So I was thinking, I was like, mm, how do I even say this? Because I, I'm really, you know, your words create your world. So yes. historically, yeah, that's for me always like there's so like when you have your overhead covered at minimum but when you're living in the space of abundance and finances are not an issue then there's just so much more that we can do and there's so much more that i you know i can do and i can offer to my community when i'm not worried about that i just want to add because your mind's not ruminating so ruminating means that even while you're doing whatever you're doing in the back of your mind, you're worried. In the back of your mind, you're stressed out. And that's really difficult and, and creates even more trauma. Go Absolutely. ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the impact, right? That's the impact right. on your mental and physical health. And it shows up. I know it's shown for me somatically, you know, in my body, um, how I'm able to stand in the world and create with other people. Like the, all of that is impacted when you're ruminating because those that energy is being used that you're so accustomed to ruminating that you don't even realize. Right. And it's been in places of influx that I realized on my, oh, yeah, it's just better. When, when, when coins aren't coiny, it's better. <laughs> yeah. But, but now to that point, though, does the whole kind of new entree of the IG and the YouTube and all of that as other vehicles for other people to come onto the platform, does that cause or present any stress or challenges for you? It doesn't for me. I, I mean, if anything, sometimes like if I don't really allow myself to get into that rabbit hole um, of comparison, because for me, that's what it falls into that line. And me and an IG, whatever, we ain't doing the same thing. And what I'm going to do with my gifts, you ain't got like, you can't do me like I do me. So no matter how many followers or IG, whatever you're doing. So I'm super clear on that. You know, there are moments you're like, damn, again, going back to the coins, like, oh, have a little sponsor, do a little something. Right. You know, that would be like the biggest part of that. But no, that is just not something I really, because again, there's like, because in an abundance mindset, there's enough for everybody. So whatever they're doing, that's not going to impact what I'm doing. What I will say is that what becomes dangerous when people in place of power, when they allow that to be the only creative voice, because and allow how many followers you have lead yes. into a conversation with my, like, I've never really been into IMDb. That's not my jam either. And so, and I didn't know until last week how the star meter even worked. That's a hundred percent. Like I had no idea, but talking about IMDb pro and, you know, we were having a conversation with my, my friend, like how, and one of the organizations in New York, like if you, they, that's one of the things they look at where your star meter is and all that. And I'm just like, that to me was just, Gross, and I'm just, <laughs> just yeah. To me, that's the that's the equivalent of it's too much. It's too much to track, right? And so that is where I see an impact. I was like, because if that's the only thing you're looking at, to me, that's the idea of a standardized test being the only thing you are judging somebody by to allow them into university. It's just a very we go back to white supremacy and a very ignorant, narrow-minded idea of what creativity is or what success is or what ability and talent is. Well, even how to measure it, because then the measuring stick keeps moving and changing and jumping around and you're not really sure which one to do. 
So Troy, what do you say about all of this? I mean, how do you wrap up this uh, this this particular question about you know what stresses you out as an entrepreneur and any other points that others made? Yeah, well, well, picking up right where NK left off, there's a very tangible element to impressions online, social media following that has an impact on closing a business deal, as we all know. And I remember. Well, this was a couple of years ago, but I, I remember going into an audition for a commercial and I was actually asked about how many followers I had. And this was, you know, it was in earlier stages and it just it was a light bulb that went off. And, you know, you think about the time you've spent in classes or in, in, in workshop and, and, and uh, projects that you worked on, honing your craft and your skill and, and your ability to go into an audition and be asked that question. It's like, wait a minute, you know what? It really doesn't matter what I do in this room right now because you're looking for uh, analytics, you know? Exactly. And to NK's point, uh, and to, to your point, Dr. Chance, um, the systems continue to change and they're in a flux, you know? Are you at the top of someone's thread? You know, how do you, sometimes those algorithms, it becomes a whole other world that determines your visibility, uh, and your reach, which can have a specific and dramatic impact on closing a business deal, you know? Um, and so I know John, being a musician, has seen this so much, and we, we've, we've heard it a lot when we think about musicians that are either independent or signed to a label. And all, all we talk about when we say that is sometimes individuals have machines behind them that push their art and give them visibility. You turn on the radio and you're like, man, every time I turn the radio on, I'm hearing the same thing over and over again, yeah. but you follow the money and you're like, oh, that radio station is owned by this corporation. That corporation is owned by this uh, corporation and they own all of them. So you start to look at it and you say, wait a minute. It's not that this person's art is, uh, is more Any powerful. Better, any more creative. Right. They, just, they, they have, have those machines behind them. They have those mm -hmm. numbers, those analytics uh, behind behind those. And so there that becomes a level of frustration. And this is the first part of that. Uh, one of the things that uh, frustrates me, one of my biggest stressors is the idea of the gatekeeper. You know, I think Charles and I had this conversation years ago talking to um, to um, oh, I forgot the, the writer's name, um, John Ridley. And it was about asking for permission. It's like this this idea of constantly having to prove ourselves. When we look over here, we have a counterpart that may not look like us that just gets the grant, just gets the funding. And you like, they get so many opportunities at times to uh, drop the ball. Well, we got to get it right, you know, that first time. Um, and so ensuring that uh, we can get through or not have to rely on someone being a gatekeeper saying, okay, we're going to give you this shot. We're going to give them 10 shots to do that. Not needing to be in a position to even ask for permission is, right. is one of the right. ways that we're striving for. Oh, absolutely. And that's the power that we have and the power that I think we need to collect to collectively work on together because obviously, uh, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about at Max Black Media, and we'll be talking about more as we launch, is this concept of the flow of money. And that, you know, we need to be the owners of the money. We need to have money so that we're able to 
make the calls. And as you know, many of the black media companies no longer exist. And so part of that is, you know, we've got to be a part of creating the system, um, creating a system that works for us as well. And I can't believe that we're actually getting to, we're getting close to maybe having one more question and then we got to wrap, but I'm curious. So even with all the challenges, opportunities, the trauma, the stress and having to manage yourself and other people that you hire, et cetera, why do you do this? What do you believe what you do? Um, is that your passion and what's your purpose? NK. I do it because I know that's what I was called to do. I know that's why God put me here. I am a creator and I am here to create space for others to freely create. And I absolutely, I adore what I do. I love everything I do. I don't lend my energy or time to anything I do not love. And I never really have. And I've created a life where I'm able to do that. And um, I stand in that purpose. When it's hard, when it's scary, I step out on faith and I stand in the purpose that God called me to stand in. Wow. And she says that so positively and amazing. And again, I want everyone to understand that creativity is the highest human potential. And so when we lean into that, John, you talk about you don't run away from creativity, you run towards it. And that's very positive because it actually does save lives. You know, when I grew up in Brooklyn and one of the worst parts of Brooklyn, that's what saved me was being able to be in, in the School of Performing Arts where I could really focus and just lose myself and almost at times lose my mind in a positive way in the art. So John, when you talk about um, your purpose and passion and running towards creativity, what, what, why do you do what you do? You're on mute. Can you, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. when, I was a, when I was a little boy, I wanna say maybe at least 10 years old, I had a dream. I, I was at home and I was watching um, television and music videos were coming on and I saw guys jumping around on screen and I said, I want to do that. It became a dream of mine. And ever since 10 years old, I've pursued that dream. Um, and that's okay. I think just because you want to do one thing doesn't mean you can't do anything else. It doesn't mean that that has to be all you do. I'm a rapper, I'm a really good rapper, but I'm not just a rapper. And I don't think just because I'm really good at rapping that that has to be my only source of income or that has to be my only revenue stream. I have a verse where um, I, I have a line where I say, Every dream should be adjusted as you grow from adolescence to fit our newfound perspectives to ensure they don't die. So just think about being uh, 10 years old and saying, hey, I want to be a cowboy when I grow up. Well, I want to be a cowgirl when I grow up. And now here you are. Oh, here I am 30 years old trying to trying to be a cowboy. Right. It's like, oh, I want to, you know, want to be a superhero like, you know, that childish dream sounds preposterous. Right. But you have to adjust it. You have to make it uh, fit reality. That's one thing that children don't do. So I do what I do now because I do have a, a genuine passion for it. But with my adult mind, I make it realistic. I balance it out with everything else that I do in life. 
I love that, you know, and one of my favorite, and I don't know, I haven't heard your work and I'd love to, but I, I love to quote something that Drake says, which is similar to what you just said, I think, which is um, everybody lit, everybody dies, but not everybody lives, right? Mm -hmm. And that concept of without creativity, we become robotic. And again, creativity, we all have it within us. It's a human potential. It's a human skill, but we actually have to work at it because to your point, as we get older, we kind of lose ourselves and we lose our dreams. And especially as Black people trying to make it through this world, it's it's a challenge to do everything we're doing and then go, oh, let's be creative, right? And, and yet it is our life source. And so Charles, what say you about, um, why do you do it with all of the stress and trauma and drama? Why do you do what you do? Well, shout out to everybody. Like, shout out to y'all for saying everything that you did. Uh, John, <laughs> on my way over here uh, to record, I, uh, the, the, I, uh, I was listening to uh, The Heart of They Fall, man, because I still I still got that that cowboy in me. But, you know, for me, it was similar, similar age, learning about acting, seeing acting at ETA on the south side of Chicago uh, and knowing that that was it. And and a large part of it, too, for me is doing what I do is like I said, getting back to shifting people's perspective of possible. My perspective has shifted for all intents and purposes. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a, I'm, I, I grew up with not a lot of money on the south side of Chicago, but I'm the president of the, the third largest local uh, of SAG-AFTRA in Chicago. I'm a professor, I, I, you know, I'm on TV. Like mama, I made it, right? And right. For me to be able to do that and for me to see that it's about mindset and, you know, and to, for, you know, like you said, like, you know, losing your mind, but finding your mind, really mm -hmm. creativity. And for me to be able to, through my work as a, a producer and as a, a professor, like really just say to people like, yo, find that inner young cowboy and keep going because it's possible, you know, and, 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 and for the people who, you know, just gets a little bit more confident. Like that's enough. Even if you don't make it all the way, like if you can stand in your own creativity and your own truths and like, you know, express yourself or explore yourself. Like that, if I can get one person out of each class that I teach, each person that sees one of my films or one of my plays, I've done my job. Like I've lived up to my calling. I love that you said that. Okay, shout out to you for that. I know. I love, love it, Troy. So why do you do what you do? Um, you know, you've gone from sports and all other kinds of things that you do that don't necessarily seem to connect, but they're connecting. Why? Why do you do it? Why do you do yeah, this? one of my favorite books is The Alchemist, and um, it just talks about the journey. So in short, the journey is sometimes we end up where we started. And I'm going to take a cue from, uh, from John. Oh, back when I was 10. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but when I was a kid, man, I was um, I grew up in a family uh, full of clergy and community leaders. So I got a chance to see individuals leading large populations of people and seeing the positive impact that can have. And I, I remember as a young kid, I said, I'm going to be a minister. And um, whether it was whether it manifested itself in the traditional way of being a preacher or a pastor, I know that I have a ministry. I know that we all have a testimony and this has given me the ability and the platform to do those things and live out that purpose of being a catalyst and amplifier. And 
I feel as though the journey in sports and, and other things just uh, provided me some experiences and, and uh, some transferable skills that have allowed me to apply those today from being on stage, being a performer, just developing uh, tactics to use to make that more, <laughs> yeah. that more effective. You know, you just Being creative pick, with you your pick, tactics, you right? Pick yeah. tools. You pick up tools over time. Right. But, uh, but I do feel that the reason I do it is, is and in case that word is so it's calling. You know, when you think about, you think about ministers, oftentimes that's the term that's used. Like, why do you want to go and talk to these folks if I'm going to listen to you and still go do their own thing? It's because you, you can't help it. You know, it's it's just it's in you. It is a calling. And that is exactly what it is. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to um, leverage media uh, to achieve those goals. So speaking of um, y'all, you're going to struggle anyway. Like for real, anything that you do is going to be hard, like, you know whether you work in a nine to five that you don't care about or or you punching somebody's clock or you or you making somebody else's dreams come true or you know you you're whatever profession whatever job whatever you know responsibilities in life it's gonna you're gonna have trauma you're gonna have stress you're gonna have disappointments you're gonna have you sleepless nights so why not spend this time whatever time that we have doing what you love, what you're called to do, what you're excited about, what, like makes an impact on other people. Exactly. And, you know, our ancestors, you know, we get the privilege to do what we do because our ancestors fought, died, did all of those things for us. And so as we wrap, my final question is always because we are going to be ancestors one day and we want to leave a legacy. And so when we talk about and think about the children coming up, what would you say to parents to encourage them to ensure that they embed this creativity and imagination in their children in such a way that they will maintain it. Because when you know, when you when you get rid of the creativity and imagination, again, we become robotic and we also become even more ill because creativity really does, it's one of the highest human potentials. So what would you say, and I want each person to maybe just give a sentence. Um, or so, what would be your message to parents around keeping their kids creative and putting, planting that seed of creativity in them that will hopefully sustain them for life? What would you say, John? I just got back from Columbia a couple of weeks ago. I took my, uh, then she was nine, but this weekend she just turned 10. I took my 10-year-old daughter to Columbia, and I, we went out into the mountains, and we met this, uh, this this village, this village, and we met this village of people called the Palenque people. And, um, you know, they were once enslaved by the Spaniards, and they, they escaped slavery, and they went out into the mountains, and they created their own village. They created their own tribe, and the Spanish came up there and tried to, you know, bring them back to slavery, and they fought like hell to, to not go back. And they said, eventually, they said, you know what, we're going to leave these people alone. And I, and, and I traveled across the world and showed this to my daughter, and I got those, those wheels in her mind yeah. turning. And this won't be the last trip that I take her on. Mm -hmm. I think creativity first, creativity starts 
would see in the world. Creativity yes. starts with giving them information, giving your children information. You know, the best thing that you can leave behind to your children when you die is information. Because a broad mind, right? A mind that is open, always like a sponge, wanting to yeah. know more. more. So, love so, that. so, so I will say, um, what we what we should strive to leave to the next generation is more information because with that they can do so much they can do way more than just having a a, a piece of property curiosity yes mm. leaving curiosity nk what say you just a sentence yes creation is fostered by and through communication so actively and openly communicating with your child is the space of co-creation and anything else that's possible. So more of that because of what they have to offer in their little minds, we really allow them to speak or blow our mind. Absolutely. Yeah. So blowing mind communication, Charles. Have yourself uh, explore your own creativity because mm -hmm. when you explore your own creativity, you're setting a model for what could be done and you know what you know what's possible and, and what's acceptable so just be be a role model uh and find your own creativity yes yes troy bring us home uh creative safe space uh for them to figure it out absolutely so i can't even believe this was this went so fast and thank you all for an incredible conversation uh, thanks again troy nk charles and john the author for being with us today and on behalf of our sponsors creative cypher in association with troy Pryor, max black media african-american art alliance and the gary international black film festival i'm dr gloria chance with max black media we're here to maximize Black power and advancement in business, politics, health, and more. We want to thank you all for joining tonight and having this amazing conversation. And we'll see you again after we figure out what we're going to do next, right, on this topic, because it really is an important topic. It's an important growth topic for all of us, and I so appreciate having you all. Thank you. Thank you.